The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to High FM where I am talking tech as usual right here on Tech Talk. And it's been a bit of a crazy week. It's the time of the year. Everything's happening. But the hugest uh, furore around cryptos and FTX and what's happening. We'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes, but it has some profound impact on even South African companies. Many people I know who dabbled in cryptos, and I use that word advisedly. I have a stance on crypto, which uh, some people don't uh, like and appreciate, but that's a whole nother story. But moving on to uh, even more content, this is World Cup month. It kicks off on the 20th. I think there have already been a few games, but the very, very controversial World Cup in Qatar um, is kicking off literally in less than a week and should be pretty good soccer, pretty good football. It's always great to watch, but there's huge political and other controversy around you know, some of the, the issues of people going and staying and being in Qatar, the weather's still super hot. There's now stories about uh, people living in containers with uh, reasonable facilities and air conditioning, but still um, really interesting physical thing. Don't know how many people are going, but it should still be a spectacle. And the question is, where do I watch? How do I watch? DSTV, as usual, have got a huge range of options. You can watch it through the satellite dish. You can stream it through their streaming app. And if you're on the premium service, you can get it um, in 4K HD on... Um, <laughs> I've just gone blank, excuse me, but I'll remember now. But you can get it in 4K HD on Showmax. There we go. Sorry, just a little blank there. Showmax are offering all the World Cup games in 4K, which will be pretty cool. The only little drawback there is you need the new um, decoder from uh, MultiChoice or their little streamer box, which is not terribly expensive. And it does do double as a 4K streamer for everything else that you want, Netflix, Prime, um, Disney, whatever else you need. And it all comes through a nice 4K Obviously, you need a 4K TV. But the World Cup has always been a big seller of new TVs, new gadgets, new gizmos. And not to be left out. A lot of people have forgotten about them. A lot of people may not be watching them much anymore. Is the SABC. So they, there was a service, again, not something that's been huge, hardly pushed over the last few years, from Telcom called Telcom One. And Telcom and SABC partnered together to roll out all these channels on an online streaming platform in around about November 2020. They were going all new age, etc. And obviously, all its live channels and a ton of back catalog was available on online streaming. Well, starting earlier this month, this week, in fact, Telcom started sending SMSs to a few people who had subscribed to that service to say that it will be unavailable until the 17th of November. And the reason is... SABC has taken it over, and they're calling it a new service called SABC Plus. So if you're keen to see what's going on there, go to their website, sabcplus.com. 
It is essentially free to any South African with a cell phone because you need your cell phone to register and log on. I have no idea if they're going to start linking that to your TV license, but that's a whole other story um, down the road. But still, um, it's there. It's available. And when you log on, you can see there's a lot of sport, all the SABC channels, and some of the first uh, television sets or the television manufacturers. Hisense have announced that there will be a native app. I'm sure that app will come to uh, Samsung, LG, and other TVs in due course. But for now, you could stream it, um, you know, through uh, Google Chromecast or any other form of streaming to your big TV. And the draw card here is that they will be showing a lot, not all, but a ton um, of the FIFA World Cup. So they'll be showing most of the matches. Um, and this obviously only refers to South Africa as well as a vast range of highlights from past World Cup. So a lot of a lot of content. None of it's up yet, but uh, pretty pretty solid offering. It works pretty well, must admit. It, it streams in, in high definition and up to proper full HD. No 4K there, but still pretty good definition. It streams pretty quickly. And the few programs I've watched have been very simple, very clean, very easy to watch, and quite a nice user interface. Um, there are a couple of the international interfaces that I think are hopeless, and this one's pretty good. So well done to the SABC for hopping on the streaming bandwagon and getting it out there. As I said, you can you can check it out if you go to their website, which is, I'll give it to you again, have a look. Sign up is pretty simple. You just need your cell phone number, and it sends you a little authentication code, and away you go. So really makes a lot of sense, and in this world where people are watching on mobiles, watching on tablets, watching on laptops. They don't have a TV. They don't have a satellite dish. They don't worry about an aerial one. Imagine those old things with big spikes on your roof pointing towards a tower. So go to SABC Plus, the words, P-L-U-S dot com and um, check it out. It's pretty interesting. And uh, let's see how this all plays out. And on another note, another big thing that's coming within the next week is Black Friday. If you have not been living under a rock and you have not been bombarded with marketing across billboards, radio, TV, you name it, Black Friday comes around about the 25th of November. In Europe and America, it tends to be very much a Black Friday, Cyber Monday. But for most companies, this has been a challenging retail year. It's some part really good, but with global recession, energy costs going up. Um, South Africa, with all the turmoil, the sort of issues around the economy and whatnot, it's been a tough year, I think, for most people, for most retailers. And I think this is going to be a huge, huge Black Friday. I'll discuss that a little bit more in um, uh, in the, the Tech Talk uh, Cafe section. A little later because I just want to go through a couple of do's and don'ts and I found a really cool website which sets out all the Black Friday deals or most of them anyway. But what is what I, I, I found out today is that Nedbank, pretty much the last of the major banks, have launched a virtual card. Now again, everything going virtual, everything going online, Apple Pay available, Google Pay, Samsung Pay. All these platforms allow you to make payments with your phone. You don't need to carry a, a physical card. You don't need 
to um, carry a wallet for that matter. You've got pretty much everything. One, I'm just hoping they bring your driver's licenses um, to that platform as soon as possible because that would be super cool. You don't have to can download your license. You don't even need to worry about going to get it. But anyway, NetBank have hopped on the bandwagon. They've launched virtual cards, easy to set up through their app, easy to set up um, at any stage. Choose your 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 expiry date. You can use it online. You can use it virtually through your phone. And it, it actually makes a lot of sense in terms of online shopping. If they steal that number and there's any problem, you just cancel the card and issue yourself a new one. So a lot of benefits from virtual cards. And the banks love it. It costs them very little. It's software. looks like a card. Behaves like a card and allows you to pay for things, um, which, again, the banks absolutely love. So on that note, we'll be back uh, with with a couple of, uh, in a few minutes, a um, couple of mentions from our sponsors, and uh, we'll be back with Tech Talk Cafe, where I'm talking, don't hang up, don't change the dial, we're talking Black Friday, and um, the whole latest crypto meltdown, and what that means for you, we'll be back after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High <laughs> FM. And this again into the whole shopping, it's Black Friday, it's nearly year end. Um, So many of us have either put off big purchases or who knows what we're doing. Though here's a a useless anecdote. In the USA for um, Super Bowl, their Super Bowl series, World Series they call it, but they only play American football in America, but uh, another story for another day, the sale of TVs at uh, major retailers screams up, especially the really high-tech, big screen, 7700 inch, you name it, like mad. So over that weekend, the, the shops or the stores have a huge sale of big TVs. But because of the rules and the laws in America, you can return anything, anytime for a full refund. So come the Monday, a whole ton of TVs land up uh, being returned and back to the store that you had. So you had a great weekend watching it on a big screen, then you hand it back. Pretty much, I wish that could happen in South Africa for the World Cup, but big TVs, 4K TVs for the World Cup are definitely a hot ticket item. And Black Friday, which falls little after the, the, the kickoff, but still within the same parameters, is upon us. And for most most retailers in South Africa, a lot of them tend to do a Black Month or a Black Friday Month or a Black Friday Extended or whatever. They just use this period as a way to kick off retail sales for the for the holiday period to extend the Christmas shopping into high ticket items or any items for that matter, and um, really get shoppers to to loosen their their purse strings and buy a whole host of stuff. Now, there are two issues around this. One, um, there's been, always been trouble with online shopping. A lot of online shops just are not set up to take care of the sheer volume and nature of the so-called Black Friday specials. To the mania around it can hide some nasty practices where people have marked stuff up in order to give 65% off um, and that sort of stuff is pretty ubiquitous. So the first and most important thing, if you get caught up in the Black Friday, I've saved up the whole year and I want that big TV, Google is your friend. Without question, 
check, let's say Macro or Game or whoever, any one of the major retailers or even some of the smaller guys offering you an unbelievable massive 60% off something, Google it. Check the model number, check the product, and just do a Google. Click on Shopping, which comes up on the top screen, and check out all the numbers, all the prices across the internet. Google is the expert at trawling the internet, trying to find out what's going on. And sometimes you will find that the non-Black Friday deals are as good, if not better, than the so-called spectacular Black Friday deals. Now, look, to take nothing away from the retailers, I think they work extremely hard to try to come up with the most compelling uh, amount of, of goods and services Many companies are offering up to 50% on certain things. They've squeezed the retailers. Um, and traditionally, this time of the year, like Sony, LG globally and, and locally, have dropped their prices quite substantially. On a big TV, if you say five to 10,000 Rand, that's a lot of money. Um, so that definitely, definitely does happen. And again, you've got to check it out. So whether it's macro, whether it's pick and pay, whether it's game, it doesn't matter. Check it out and make sure that that price looks good. And then use your virtual card online so that if by chance you're buying from a slightly dodgy or unknown, let's use that word, unknown retailer, you can immediately cancel the card. And virtual cards come with all the protection of your standard credit card. So if you have a credit card with FNB, ABSA, Nedbank, Standard Bank, whomever, even uh, Capitec, all of the guys, They've got protect by a protection built in. If it doesn't get delivered, you can generally have it reversed. And the safety and the quick ease, if you lose your card, you, you know, there's no losing your virtual card. But if you do lose your physical card, you can block it, cancel it, and immediately um, get, obtain a virtual card. So you can carry on online shopping, physical shopping through your phone, if your phone is capable of that. And the vast, uh, you know, most of the mid-range to expensive phones can run either Google Pay or if it's an Apple device, all of them can run Apple Pay. So really makes a lot of sense. The other real challenge around Black Friday, and I mean, this is more a psychological thing. Don't buy what you don't need. Simple as that. A lot of people get caught up in the hype and the insanity of Black Friday and end up purchasing stuff uh, that they really don't need or really don't want. But what? It was a deal. It's a bargain. You've heard that one before. Now, on to a, a very cool site I just bumped into when I was doing my research for the show. And it's called latestspecials.co.za um, forward slash black dash Friday. So have a look at that, latestspecials.co.za. If you just go to the main website, you'll see all the Black Friday stuff. And what it does, it puts all the specials in one place. They've done the homework. They've set up the algorithms to trawl the web and find all the deals. And you'll see there's a game, pick and pay, macro, um, expert. That's a whole host of independent retailers in the electronic space. Um, Boxer, Mr. Price. There's even a Cyber Monday deal from Builders. I'd love to know. You get a new bath at a good deal. Nothing wrong with that. But I don't know what that's got to do with Cyber Monday. But anyhow, they mix their Mix their metaphors. Bradlow's, Matrix Warehouse, Dial-A-Bed, Black Friday sales, get a mattress. So every retailer, I think, is trying damn hard. Baby City, you name it, they're all here. And it makes a huge difference because, one, you can do a little bit of online comparison. But, again, these are just a collection of, for the most part, 
their brochures. So house and home pre-Black Friday sale, which started on the 1st, the 11th to the 20th, the 11th, is simply their catalogue where you can save 500 on this fridge and 1,000 on that stove, etc., etc. But again, just because it looks like a great deal and you're saving 1,000 Rand doesn't mean that that's the best price on the web. So take that uh, DeFi side-by-side fridge. It's got, a little, it's got a little code there, DFF463. Pop it into Google and do a quick search, then click on shopping, and you'll see all uh, the mentions of that. And it may be cheaper elsewhere that without any specials or anything. So check that one out. I think it's pretty useful. Um, I'm, I'm trawling around looking for certain things. But again, be very specific. Only buy what you need. Don't just buy because it's a deal. And um, you probably can get some really cool bargains, save a ton of money, which these days is certainly not a bad thing with the cost of living and everything going up. So check it out. Uh, it's latestspecials.co.za and see um, see what they come up with. Now, moving on to what we, dis- we, we discussed a little earlier around the whole crypto meltdown with FTX filing for Chapter 11. And it does have its tentacles into South Africa. I know... <laughs> he's been on the he's been on high FM a few times. There's uh, a cryptocurrency market maker they call themselves Ovex. They have cancelled and removed FTX as a juristic representative, um, and have now cut them off from South Africa pretty much. And the reason is, which is quite a good reason, is that the financial services provider, the FSP license, which is managed and controlled in South Africa, and all currency and all financial services type operations have to be registered and regulated by the FSP, um, have to have to abide by. And that's really a good thing because unfortunately, the crypto market has been characterized by massive boom bust cycles, by hype and incredible amounts of people have lost all their savings, have lost so much money, have not been able to read the market. They've been made a million and one promises. And cryptocurrency exchanges, despite all the the hype around how secure and safe and transparent and non-regulated by government these cryptocurrencies are, um, essentially they have boiled down for the most part to a get-rich scheme. Now, my fundamental problem with cryptocurrencies, and one that's echoed by a lot of top investors around the world, a lot of top bankers. Now, again, people will always tell me that bankers are have only the interest of the status quo and they the evil overlords of financial services around the world. But when so many company or so many people who have made so much money and run absolutely huge businesses around the world, and I mean, we're talking the Warren Buffetts and people like that of the world, say that cryptocurrencies essentially are a Ponzi scheme. I think you should be extremely cautious. And the FTX fall has highlighted that once again. FTX, just to give you a quick little sort of background, was started a couple of years ago um, as a type of exchange which was trying to be an all things to all people exchange covering stocks covering all forms of uh, cryptos they came up with their own token which was backed by themselves they had a fantastic sort of market research and trading organization as part of the group called alameda research 
and they invest in cryptocurrency and blockchain businesses around the world, including a number of exchanges in South Africa. Hence the tentacles that um, sneak into the the South African environment. And while I wish Avex and all the other South African exchanges well, all of them had some dealings at some level or some equity involvement with FTX. And that has, and with the, the crash of FTX, the collapse of the cryptocurrency itself, Bitcoin and all the others, um, it's, it's put a lot of them under a lot of pressure because all of them only make very low margins on massive amounts of trading. So the minute the trading slows down, their income drops. And if their income drops, it's hard to keep all the servers and all the back-end systems and platforms going. And as regulation like is happening in South Africa increases, the cost of compliance starts increasing. And it becomes quite inexpensive. It's not simply a guy on a laptop sitting in a back room running a little trading exchange. The U.S. government's getting involved. Um, Most major regulators around the world have got involved. And a lot of the local... um, exchanges, one of them called Valor, V-A-L-R, have said, look, you know, just because um, FTX is gone doesn't mean we're we're gone. But ultimately, I think they're all affected. And here is my fundamental problem and why I always suggest, maybe I'm just old and conservative, but I always suggest that people be very skeptical of the quick get rich and get uh, with it schemes that are compellingly promised by a ton of guys. One, cryptocurrencies have no inherent asset whatsoever. None. They're all financial constructs. They're all financial manipulation. They're all based on algorithmic creation of tokens and other forms of technical um, entities that do not exist in any form outside of the computer programs and the wallets and the platforms that they are built on. And then they traded amongst themselves with all these platforms and the FTX and all these type of guys tend to pump and dump and artificially manipulate and sometimes not even artificially. They do a great marketing job. People buy in in incredible numbers and you know the old story, scarce, scarce resources, lots of buyers, prices go up to match the standard economic theory. The problem is when times get bad, and exactly what happened with FTX, uh, a couple of weeks ago, literally, the, the, the company was valued at $32 billion or more. Um, the um, Sam Bankman-Fried who ran it was personally one of the richest men in the world. And because there was no inherent value and no inherent ability to stopgap the whole thing, when people started a run, when there was bad news that one of the big companies um, from another SBF or CZ type exchange decided not to invest, Binance decided not to invest in FTX, we had a massive run. And because there was nothing underlying it, there were no reserves, there were no stop gaps, there was none of the controls that exchanges stock exchanges and financial platforms have, it was done. They had no money. They could not because they had invested in a whole lot of other things because it was all paper money. The paper tiger just collapsed and 32 billion disappeared overnight. Money, billions here, billions there. It's all gone. And millions of investors are going to lose every single cent 
and there's absolutely no recourse. You can call in the liquidators, you can call in the people to try to fix things, but there's nothing to fix. There's no base on which all of this is built that can give any form of recovery of any nature, other than if real dollars, which was where it all boils down, if real dollars and real money were stolen, um, but again, that's a very loose sort of discussion within the context of this whole thing. But if, it, let's say, a, a million Bitcoin were cashed in and that money was taken and moved illegally to some hidden bank account somewhere, potentially you could recover some of that money and try to figure out what to do with it. But as what's happened with every exchange in South Africa and pretty much across the world that has collapsed, you never hear or I have never heard, maybe I'm wrong, I'd be happy if you ping me and tell me where I'm wrong, but I've not heard of many people actually recovering anything of any value. Yes, the liquidators and the investigators make some money for their time and effort to try to figure out what went wrong. That eats up, as in normal liquidations, a good chunk of everything that happens. So it is unfortunately a serious lesson in what's real and what's not real in the world. Just because it's cool, just because it's high tech, just because it's possible, just because there are such amazing returns possible. But when you go out and you build something real, physical, even if it's a virtual thing like software, but there's actually some service that you're delivering to people. But when you're trying to make money with money, by trading money against money that has no base. Every country stands behind their currency. The US stands behind the dollar. China stands behind its yen. There's value there. You've got huge entities managing and controlling value. Whereas on cryptos, the whole premise is that nobody can control it. It's all based on the blockchain. It's totally safe, totally anonymous until things go wrong, then it's totally anonymous. You cannot find anything. No one's around. Apparently, Sam Bankman-Fried is now living in the Bahamas, doing his thing. Uh, I'm sure he's not down to his last billion. And uh, it's, it's unfortunate, but all his investors, all the people who had uh, tokens or been involved in his tokens have lost money, real money, because when it comes down to the point, they took real money to buy virtual money. And that's where the whole thing falls apart. If you bought virtual money with virtual money that didn't cost you anything, then what the heck? But even in the Bitcoin space, in order to mine Bitcoin, you need massive servers that use tons of electricity and cost a sh a whole host of money. I wasn't going to say that on the air. But cost a whole host of money to buy the hardware to do what needs to be done. You can't say that these things are free. They're not there's a massive cost to mining a Bitcoin. And the same goes for all this platform systems and ways of, of getting cryptocurrencies going. So that's my little rant for the day. But watch this space. I don't think the fallout is over. I think, unfortunately, it's going to affect and impact many of the exchanges and crypto people that, that genuinely, I think, are smart and have got some great ideas in, in managing money and creating all sorts of platforms and exchanges and, and ways to get it in and out. My tiny little crypto balance sheet is not looking very pretty at the moment, but I only got in it for the tech love, not to make some money. So I'm watching this with great interest. Hopefully it swings again and I make a little bit money again. But cryptocurrencies are in a terribly difficult space. 
and uh, watch it. Do not put your life savings or your bond or any form of real money in there unless you're quite happy to lose it at some point. It's a little bit like gambling. On that note, we'll be back with Gadget of the Week and a few more little tech tips and hints straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. And as I said, you can also pop over to latestspecials.co.za and check out most of the retailers. Everything that's online has been picked up by the algorithms and put out there. And they've got some interesting stuff. I mean, even without the Black Friday stuff, uh, when you go to their main website, there are a lot of catalogs and deals and all the catalogs. I mean, I know they dump them in those newspapers outside our houses most days, but you know, you often miss them or they land up getting wet or thrown away or whatever. So here's all online, all the catalogs, all the specials, all the deals. Now moving on to my new gadget of the week, and I've been playing with it for the last three weeks, and that is the new Apple Watch Watch Ultra. Now Apple, at the same time as they launched the iPhone 14, launched the new Apple Watch 8, which in many ways was a very Nice little upgrade on the Apple Watch 7, and let's get this out of the way. If you have an Apple Watch 7, and you, the only real benefit of the Apple Watch 8, standard Apple Watch 8, were two key things. One was the accident, um, the crash and accident accelerometer that's built in, so it automatically notifies contacts and emergency services. And here's an interesting thing: the iPhone 14 does include the same chipset and in fact my daughter was involved in an accident and I was informed immediately that it happened by her phone and it called Discovery Health uh, and notified them of the accident. She wasn't hurt, thank goodness, and no one was seriously injured but it registered the accident and all the data around that was transmitted to me instantly. So really, really useful little tool but other than that slightly brighter screen a slightly newer processor, not a lot changed between the 7 and 8. Um, and the pricing, unfortunately, because of the strength of the dollar and the, the lack of the, and the, the weakness of the rand had gone up a little. So I would skip the 8 and wait for the 9 if you're keen to upgrade, if you have a 7. But what Apple did for the first time is launch a brand new smartwatch in a new format, completely different to the current format that has been going for so many years, tweaked here and there, slightly different screen, slightly bigger body, but basically the Apple Watch hasn't changed visually since launch. Now the new watch is significantly different. It's beefier, it's much tougher, the battery lasts a lot longer, and it is aimed squarely at the the high end of sports and activity watches from Garmin, Sunto, and others on the market. And the question that everybody asks, apart from, oh, it looks cool, and um, it, 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 you know, it's got like a nice big screen, it's 45 millimeters as opposed to uh, 40, 41 or 44. So it's a lot bigger, it's flatter, it's, it's um, a lot lighter, which is very cool. It's made out of titanium and it is a much more expensive. It's selling in the 20,000 Rand range, which is a lot of money for a watch. But it has a couple of um, advantages over the other watches out there. One, it has a much brighter screen. 
It has got the same chip and sensors and software as the standard Series 8. And that literally makes it the most capable smartwatch on the market. But on the outside, it is definitely thicker. It is much bigger and it's much meaner looking. It's much more industrial looking. It also comes with a whole host of brand new straps, which are cool. Um, but it takes all the old straps, which makes it even easier and, and smarter to look at because all the straps that do come with the, the new straps for the, uh, for the Ultra are essentially a, a bubbly one for water, uh, a sort of semi-flexible nylon-y one for general use. That's the one I'm using. And then a <coughs> more rugged version of, of their sort of bubble strap with the little bumps on it uh, for hiking and whatnot. And in truth, the trail loop is better than and is great for this type of stuff. But overall, um, it is a significant, significant different package to what we've been used to. And right up front, sorry, I, the case size of this is 49 millimeters, where the other ones are 44 millimeter. It's also a lot thicker. It's slightly heavier. And yet, it's not as heavy as the stainless steel um Apple Watch 8, which is quite interesting. It's got lots of memory, and it is water-resistant down to 100 meters. One of the promises at the launch that a full-dive computer will be included as an app very shortly, and I think that would be extremely useful for those that dive and do stuff because it's got a lot of links to your phone. There's a lot of stuff going on. Not that you can take your phone down there, but it comes with um, dual-band compass, it comes with an altimeter, it comes with a heart rate monitor, ECG, um, blood oxygen, SpO2 meter, temperature meter, which is useful, depth, mic speakers, and a very loud speaker. It's almost double the volume of any other. It also has about 76% bigger battery than the standard model, and I get between two and three days of continuous use wearing without charging, which is great. I mean, the other Apple Watch you couldn't sleep with. You really couldn't um, spend a lot of time with it before you needed to recharge. But this one, the Ultra, is interesting because of its size and because of this construction and because it's 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 titanium. It's a lot easier, um, a lot easier to wear. It feels lighter. It feels a lot um, easier on your wrist. It doesn't have that sort of pebbly hard feel. It feels like uh, the aluminium watch. And I found it incredibly, um, incredibly light and easy to use. I sleep with it. It gives me all the information that I need. It has a low power mode, which can give it an extra four or five days, which is great. And all the tracking and all the, the features that I've come to enjoy from the Apple Watch, it has. But because of its new construction, it's got a flat screen. It's got a little lip around. You can't, and it's a sapphire glass. You can't scratch it. Titanium's incredibly tough. It's incredibly easy to use. And I've been running. I've been jumping. I've been gymming. I've been doing all sorts of stuff with it. The only thing I haven't done is gone underwater. And I must say that I like the look. It looks a lot more solid on your wrist. If you've got a big wrist, even on a small wrist, it looks pretty good. And it is without question one of the nicest watches. I think hardcore professional sportsmen may find it lacking in some areas, but for the rest of us, this is the first major change of Apple Watch. And I like the size, I like the construction, the functionality and the brightness of the screen and the battery life certainly take it to the next level. So if you're looking for a watch that ticks all the health tracker uh, things you need, as well as giving you everything that you need 
from a smartwatch. <coughs> Excuse me. You obviously have to be part of the Apple ecosystem with an Apple Watch to get the best out of it. But the built-in SIM works extremely well. You can make calls, receive calls without your phone being near you. It's just a well-thought-out the action button, which I forgot to mention, is brilliant. You can immediately activate. You can choose whatever you want to activate. By pushing a simple button, you can start an activity. You can start a stopwatch. It's just well thought out. It's smart. It's expensive, no question. But I believe it competes very well with the top-end watches from Sunto and Garmin in some respects. They are still better in some ways. But um, for the most of us, this is a brilliant new smartwatch that I think uh, brings a lot of benefit. So on that note, we're having a quick break for our sponsors, and I'll be back with one or two little wrap-ups, and then we'll be done. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And on the sort of Apple Watch and Apple uh, League, where we're talking about the new Apple Watch Ultra and other Apple things, Apple have now finally launched a feature that they mentioned at their thing at their the launch of the iPhone 14, which is satellite emergency SOS. They've launched it in America and Canada, and are about to launch it in many countries around. Well, some additional countries, not many countries around the world, like Germany, the UK, and a couple of European countries. Simply put, what happens is if you're stuck and you dial 111 or any of the emergency numbers, the phone would obviously connect if there was cellular connection. If you're in a strange place or you somehow don't have cellular connection or you're in you're off the beaten track and there are no towers near you, it'll immediately switch to its emergency text via satellite mode, which is an app. It will then give you a little interface that asks you a couple of questions about what your emergency situation is. And then it'll take you through a process um, of looking around with like a little radar thing to find the nearest satellite. And once it connects and you found the satellite, it will dispatch an SMS, a lot of information to emergency services, including your location and all sorts of data. And they can message you back, which is very cool. Um, and you can get help. So if you've fallen off a mountain for want of a better word, and there are no, and there are no um, cell phone signals this is a tool that should as long as you can see the sky and you should be able to uh, immediately get some sos information out it'll as i said i've just read it'll come out in france germany ireland and the uk in december um, no update yet whether it'll come out in africa or south africa i suppose it depends on the emergency services platforms that exist in those places but it is a brilliant brilliant addition to your smartphone because wherever you are in the world no matter what you can probably land up using this to get help and uh, based on the setup that i've seen in the latest versions of ios it seems pretty simple to put all your emergency information there and if you can connect to emergency services and they can connect to you it potentially could save your life so a lot of that sort of stuff the crash um, emergency messaging the satellite service the iPhone is actually becoming quite a useful tool for those of us who spend time running around and doing lots of stuff. A final interesting thing that has come out just now, um, before the holidays, good timing. Vodacom have launched um, bundles, international travel data bundles with calls built in that are extremely competitive. 
I have been recommending to a lot of people who travel to Europe or travel anywhere else in the world to take out a subscription to one of the eSIM, either um, no roaming, no roaming, or no roaming, I said, because people put an N instead of a K. But there are a couple of, um, there's another great service using eSIMs called Airello, A-I-R-L-A-L-O, which give you eSIMs around the world that are pretty cheap because the one thing you do not do is roam on your standard South African SIM. Well, Vodacom have looked at this and they've got a one gig package and a five gig package thing from 99 Rand to 349 Rand for the five gig package, which gives you data roaming around the world. And those prices are actually extremely competitive with anything else that I can find. A five gig package across most of the eSIMs, the emergency eSIMs, uh, or not emergency, but the eSIMs that you can download and load on your phone are in that sort of price range. So if you're a Vodacom subscriber and you want to travel, you can simply add these. You just set up international roaming. You add these bundles and you can use them pretty much wherever you go in the world. Go to the Vodacom website, look for um, the sort of travel bundles. And it's pretty smart and it's so way overdue. The networks have always charged obscene money, like 2,000 rand a gig for data. And data is just everywhere. You cannot travel without a smartphone. And here's a way that whether you're on prepaid, whether you're on postpaid, whether you've got a SIM or an eSIM, it doesn't matter what phone you got, you can load these bundles. And I hope the other networks follow suit really quickly because this is the first time that a South African network has made truly affordable travel data possible <coughs> on your existing SIM on your standard package when you travel out of the country. So keep it in mind if you're on Vodacom and you're traveling this um, sort of holiday period and you're leaving the country, don't roam on your normal phone. Don't run around trying to find a local SIM. Here's a way for very reasonable money you can get bundles. And I'm sure they are cumulative, so you can have more than one bundle if you want, but don't go off bundle because that's going to kill your holiday budget. And on that note, um, stay safe. Stay powered up. What a jewel. All these power cuts continuing as they have been for the last little while. And come back to High FM, same time, same place, on a Thursday at 11 for Tech Talk from Stephen Ambrose.